Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Eurogamer podcast. I'm Bertie, I'm your host, and every fortnight I try to find an interesting person from around the world of games to talk to. Today, someone who's right at the forefront of the accessibility movement in games. It's an area we've seen huge progress in in the last couple of years through games like The Last of Us Part 2, Spider-Man Miles Morales, and more recently, in fact, very recently, Forza Horizon 5. And a lot of this probably wouldn't have happened without people pushing for it and making developers do better and making accessibility a much more visible topic. He's a regular contributor to Eurogamer. He is Vivek Gohill. Welcome to the show, Vivek. Hi, Robert. It's it's great to be part of the show. It's, It's wonderful to have you here. I've admired your pieces on the site for... For many years, you've been writing for us for about three, four years now. Yeah, three years, which has been Ooh, fantastic. It's been very fun. It kind of helped me start with accessibility. Ah, okay. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting point. We'll come on to yeah. uh, in a bit. So, talking of Forza Horizon Five, I was just watching your video review um, of the accessibility options in in the game, and what really struck me in it was your sense of delight your sense of surprise almost with how comprehensive the accessibility options are in the game i guess i wondered where did that surprise come from did you did you not expect it well i think for a lot of games they have been like accessibility like the last of us 2 was kind of the last game that kind of surprised me as much as forza horizon because I think the options in Forza Horizon um, are very kind of comprehensive, like auto steering and braking and kind of all the other options that you can have and you can re- kind of remap buttons to the sticks. And uh, I think a lot of these options were like quite, quite amazing in a way, thinking that this is what I've always thought driving games should have. And we finally find a game that kind of has these options uh, for people like uh, kind of with a disability like like mine. So something I saw you doing in the video was was remapping your controls from which from from what I understand about you is something you you need to do by necessity in in the games that you play um, because of the way um, the buttons that you can press with your hands um, and how that works. Um, And in the game, you were talking about remapping. I see you can do stuff as granular as change a thumbstick press, say, to the left uh, to have its own independent function and even move the steering onto the bumper. Um, is that something novel? Is that something new? Oh, it's definitely novel. I've never seen that. You know, driving game really actually makes sense because a driving game kind of moving left and right you don't need to use up and down so you've got a lot of other options to remap them kind of somewhere else so it's kind of um making all the buttons work independently but you can kind of position it anywhere which it just makes sense completely with a driving game because you don't usually use the the camera so you can assign buttons to the left and right stick yeah, it, it just gives disabled players a lot more options and choice about this is my ability and I need this button here. Or Also, sometimes it's just kind of you experiment with the, the options. I always do them. Because sometimes I think, oh, let me just change it and see if it kind of, kind of helped me. Because sometimes you don't know until you've tried. Yeah, quite. Um, how long does it normally take you to 
to to remap the buttons in the game. Say another game comes along without perhaps the options uh, built into the game in the same way they are in Forza Horizon 5. How long would it take you to um, kind of change the controls to be able to play it? Well, for me, if there's a game without accessibility settings, the, the my setup I use a kind of a device called the Titan 2, which kind of allows me to use whatever control I want on, on whatever kind of console. And then also I can write scripts. So I can write code to uh, code into my own remapping and toggles and stuff. But that usually takes me like an hour. Wow. But with games like Forza Horizon and Miles Morales, if, if the remap team is already there, it's it's way better. It's a lot more easier because you because when I remap the buttons, I have to remember that, oh, I've changed this button to R1 rather than kind of the the icons won't pop up uh, yeah. in the right way. So I, there's a lot of memory that has to go into it. But if you have remapping, then all of that kind of stress is, is, is decreased, really. Because so, you don't have to close the game to, to change everything. Yeah. So I heard you make a pretty bold claim in the Forza Horizon 5 review that it had the best accessibility of any driving game you've ever played. Did I hear that right? Yes, you did. That is a bold statement. But, but I stand by it. I definitely stand by it. That's great. And of course, it lays... Uh, the gauntlet down, as it were, for a series like Gran Turismo. Yeah, which I, I mentioned in my video. I was looking kind of forward to see what the, what they would do with accessibility. We'll see. Sony, the the ball is in your court. Um, I guess finally, before we kind of rewind a little bit, how does it how does it make you feel when a game like The Last of Us Part Two or Morales? or Forza Horizon 5 comes along and offers you this kind of accessibility. What does that mean to you? How does it make you feel? Well, it's really a difficult feeling because it's like you're amazed and shocked that, oh my God, like I feel respected by these game developers. Like kind of me, they are respecting my um, abilities and giving me a choice over how I play. So it feels a lot more like the developers are working with you. Yeah. But it also kind of reminds me that kind of a lot more games need to have a bit more accessibility in, in them. So it's like, it's very good, but then it's also kind of uh, it's putting the bar up for next game. So it's kind of quite interesting to see what will happen next. But I probably can say for a lot of uh, disabled gamers, like, it's just a really, really happy feeling that this game developer does kind of respect us a lot. Yeah, it's lovely to see. Um, so I want to rewind a bit because I like doing this. Um, and if we can, I'd like to go back to a young Vivek. Um, and ideally, the moment that games appear in your life, do you remember what that moment was and what happened? what the effect, perhaps, that games had on your life was? Well, when I was young, I, I had a game boy that played, like, Mario and Sonic, and I, I, I love those games. But kind of what made me, uh, like, a console gamer uh, was in 2001 when I first played Halo. Okay. Like, I played that and I thought, oh, my God, I, I need this game. <laughs> so I got a console, and kind of that started kind of my gaming journey off so like I'm very excited for kind of Halo Infinite but because it kind of really made me a gamer I thought yeah from now on this is what I wanted to do. because it, it was just such an amazing game I never kind of seen a game like that before you think oh look at the kind of the Halo ring when you look up it's just amazing so it kind of hooked me for life and then I like to Kind of, I'm very into like comic book and superheroes. 
because I used to play games like X-Men Legends and uh, kind of Batman Arkham City was, oh gosh, <laughs> that that was that was the best game I ever played, really. I still feel that because it was at a time where I kind of, I, I just like played that game all the time. It just feels like going back to my childhood in a way, which is kind of nice. I do revisit the game occasionally because... But I, I would say I thought that was my favorite superhero game, but recently, kind of, I think Guardians of the Galaxy pushed uh, Arkham City out slightly with the narrative. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting because um, it, it hasn't, you know, Avengers had a, a, had a tricky time, so, um, although it did have a good story, but guardians of the galaxy has come out and made a, a success it's a real talking point for that game which is which is interesting and shows that there's always potential there with these things and i, I want to say also guardians of the galaxy has quite a few really great accessibility op options okay. like uh, you can adapt d difficulty a lot as like on different levels like when you use your powers kind of it slows down time as uh, like time is still going on but it slows it down but there's an option if you turn it up to full then it will pause pause the game so that kind of gives me time to kind of plan what i'm doing and, and rest sometimes i can just tap that and just think okay i'm a bit uh tired at the minute i just need a few minutes so it kind of Options like that are very good for accessibility, and especially for me, yeah. Do you have any idea what the accessibility options are going to be like in Halo Infinite when it arrives? Well, I, I, I like in the videos, kind of they've they've talked about accessibility in a ring, like they've got remapping, which they they never had uh, in a game. They had like presets, which at the time was. Quite, quite good, really. Definitely was good for kind of me and other gamers, but now it's like full remapping and, and like toggles for, for, for aiming and kind of, there is a lot of op options, so I'm kind of looking forward to kind of reviewing that soon. So going back in time a bit to, to young Vivek, um, how did you interact with games back then? Is it a similar way to now or was it different in a slight way? Um, I think it was very different because at that time I was like 15 and I, I've got Duchenne muscular, muscular dystrophy. So um, I, I keep getting kind of weaker and weaker. So when I was nine, I stopped walking. Okay. So through my life, I've kind of had to kind of lose function. So gaming kind of helped me escape my reality, kind of because I was quite lonely. I was stuck in bed, so yeah, kind of with a lot of the characters, it felt like my friends, and kind of it made my life like positive and happy. Whereas now, like I, I game for fun and uh, work because my life is quite good at the minute. So like it's not fully used for escapism. It, it's just for kind of entertainment and a hobby uh, rather than very kind of emotionally necessary like it was when I was was it when I was younger really was there a game in particular that you escaped to a lot because I saw I was looking down on your blog I'm stalking you I wasn't stalking you um I was looking down the list of games and there's they do have a tendency to be these kind of third person kind of action adventures which are in big immersive worlds uh, that you live in is there one that you you would go back to perhaps it was arkham city well it was arkham city but i think that the the the, the game that kind of helped me escape a lot was red dead redemption okay like oh, I, I just love the game and the story and I, I i like like animals and stuff i'm into nature so when there's games where you can walk around, look at like nature, 
Now, even in Red Dead Redemption 2, it's when I was just walking around in nature, kind of like uh, filming kind of animals. So I, I like those kind of things because in reality, I can't do any of those things. Yeah. So in a way, it's providing me a glimpse into a life that I maybe can't fully experience in reality, but I am experiencing it in a way through games and because games are getting graphically like real realistic it's easier to kind of escape into those kind of worlds in a way yeah so i, I was reading your blog again and I, I saw that you've owned pretty much every console uh since playstation 2 except the nintendo ones um is there a reason for that perhaps you just can't stand mario's mustache no, I, I love Mario games. I, I love my Game Boy. In Game Boy Advance, and all, like, I had a SNES. But I think when I got Halo uh, and the consoles, kind of, I kind of uh, got more attracted to, like, non-2D platformers. Whereas, like, yeah, because of the immersive world, and kind of, I was just amazed by it. Whereas with Mario... Kind of, I, I played it and it was lovely. And, but I always wanted more slightly a different kind of gaming experience. But the funny thing is now I, I'm going back to 2D platformers <laughs> and, and playing them like like Guacamelee. I've been playing that. I love that, and a lot of other ones because I never really kind of. Well, in a way, I I thought oh 2D platformers. Well, mainly for like younger gamers rather than kind of older gamers. So I was a bit, a uh, bit kind of judgmental in that way slightly. Whereas now I just enjoy any type of game I'm playing, really. And when you were, when you had these older consoles, were um, you talked about um, having your degenerative condition? So. Was it becoming more challenging to to control the games? Were was one console perhaps better for that than a different than another console? Yeah, well, I think handheld things. I was able to do it until let's say like twelve, but afterwards I could hold the screen in the right position and press buttons. Okay, so it was like an accessibility issue, but. Kind of at that time, I wouldn't have thought, oh, it's an accessibility issue. Okay. It's just, oh, I, I can't play the game. Whereas now that I'm in accessibility, I can look back and think that was accessibility. Yeah. Kind of issue. Yes. And also Nintendo. And I, I never really gra gra gravitated to kind of games on that. I just like Mario and Sonic. But kind of, I wish I played games like Castlevania and stuff because... And Metroid, because I feel like I missed out on them. Okay. Um, and I mentioned that um, something else I discovered while reading your blog uh, was that you're very fond of a quote. I was reading the About You section, and you've got quotes from Andrew Ryan in there from Bioshock. You quote Metal Gear Solid. You've got Sully from Uncharted 3. And you've even, and this is my favorite, You've got Kreia from Knights of the Old Republic too. And I'll read this one because I like it. And maybe I can't remember what her voice sounds like, but perhaps you were expecting some surprise for me to reveal a secret that had eluded you, something that would change your perspective of events, shatter you to your core. There is no great revelation, no great secret. There is only you. I love that. And I think all the quotes you've, you've chosen as well share a theme that's quite close to your life and, and work um, do you note these quotes down as you go along while you're playing well no I, when I was writing the blog I kind of sometimes I choose a game and I go through like kind of I search online for like, like videos of like walkthroughs or look on the wiki wiki sites and because I have always like quotes and I, and I just love kind of words, really. I, I've always kind of enjoyed reading and, and writing and being creative. 
and kind of expressing my, myself because for me, I express myself really well when it comes to games because I've learned so much of life from from games. So uh, like quotes like that are very special to me because I remember like playing the game and I just I think for me games connect emotionally. Hmm. So the, these quotes are the ones that kind of stick out at, at me because like they're very profound and they are uh, talking kind of about life really is there a favorite quote or are there just too many to well i think that there's oh god so so many to kind of pick from but i think i'd say quotes from like star wars games they're probably my, my top kind of top group of them because i, I love star wars like ridiculously a lot <laughs> Does that go for the recent films as well? That's not going there. <laughs> okay, enough said, enough said. So I love the Mandalorian though. Grog, you can't hate No I, I kinda hate great game. No, um I agree. Uh, I particularly as the second series got a bit further on, um I liked yeah. it. Also Dune, I don't know if you've seen Dune recently. No, I really want to see that. Really, it's it's very there's a Star Wars vibe to it, which you know, which came first, but it's it's well worth seeing. So, for years, you're playing games as a passionate hobby. It's a kind of escapism um, for you. Do you have any inkling, uh, as a younger man, that you want to work in games or pursue some kind of career there? D definitely not. But like every Every I, I used to say, oh, I'd love to work in games. Because I thought oh, you just play games all, all day and stuff. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, so it was like a childhood dream, but it wasn't really on my cards, really. It just only happened because when I got the PS4, I couldn't use a controller at all. Yeah, so let's... So, so it was really... And I thought the only kind of thing that I could do was actually give up gaming. Yeah, so that um, is a big moment for you because gaming has meant so much to you for, for so long and all of a sudden you, you've opened the box, the PlayStation 4 box, and you're excited about playing Dragon Age Origins, I read, which is yeah. correct. That's very good. Um, Inquisition. Inquis sorry, Inquisition. Um, and you're excited about playing this and then you discover... Well, what do you discover and, and and how does, what's the moment, if you can take us back there? Because that must have been, well, it was a big moment for you. Yeah, so the issue was like the PS3 control, my hands kind of were formed to that and I was very good at using kind of that controller. But like usually I, like I buy a console thing, you know, obviously I'm able to play. But because I got weak, I only realized that I kind of need a lot of help in gaming, but I didn't even know there was help out there. I didn't even know about kind of accessibility. But like when I had to decide to stop gaming, I, I got really, uh, really depressed and it kind of highlighted to me that gaming, how, how important gaming is to my life so then i searched for kind of a way to start gaming and that's how i found accessibility and straight away i thought uh i definitely this is what i want to do now so i read that it was in this moment you know when you were feeling really low after the playstation 4 had come out and you realized you couldn't use the the, the pad really and you searched around and you found um, a company, a charity called Special Effect. Is is that is that what happened? Yeah, that is what happened. I, I and... found them. And th when they came down, it, it was a revolution because they understood what 
kind of needs I had, and they said, okay, we'll give you a PS4 control that's lighter and easier to press. And then through that, I managed to carry on gaming. So in a way, I thought I should have given up. There is always a solution. It's tough, though. It's tough knowing that afterwards. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it was just tough. I Yeah, my mother realized how different I was because kind of it, I, it just didn't feel like I was... Uh, kind of happy at all yeah so special effect for for listeners or watchers who don't know is a uk charity that helps people create bespoke solutions if they have physical challenges so they can play games if you've ever been to an egx show you may have seen them there uh, they often have a stand and showing some of the work they do some of the the creations that they've built uh, and they do life-changing work, which is, I'll pop them in the show's description so you can check them out. Uh, but they do life-changing work, which is something I guess you would agree with. Definitely, I would agree. And the other good thing is, um, it's free. They, their help is free, they, they just assist you. So it's, it's nothing expensive because it could get kind of expensive getting all these like uh, adjustments, but because they're a charity, they, they, they just uh, kind of, they're, they're amazing for a disabled gamer. They're like, just amazing. They fix gaming for you. So, um, as you said, they, they kind of helped you build um, a bespoke PlayStation 4 controller. So it was, it was lighter, it had looser triggers uh, and buttons and thumbsticks. Uh, it had some grip helpers and there was a stand i think so that you didn't yeah. have to always hold the the controller up um i mean having gone from feeling awful to getting this support and 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 now a way to play again to... Uh, but the thing is the support wasn't all at the start like uh, the stand i have is a uh, recent thing Oh, I see. Okay. Because I, I got a bit weak. I couldn't actually hold the, okay. the lighter control. So I, I, they made the stand and kind of that revolutionized it because I was actually able to play better than I played before. I see. Just because of the support and the right uh, right support, I, I could play as uh, good as I used, which I thought would never be possible. But here it is, it's possible. So from this moment of feeling, you know, awful to going and getting this support, what kind of happens along this, as far as I, um, as far as I understand, is you find this new sense of purpose, if you like, uh, and the purpose is accessibility. And what happens then? What 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 does that mean for you? What what do you start doing? What does that purpose do? Well, for me, it just it just seemed to happen because I I started because initially in my blog I used to uh, uh, write about kind of living with my condition and, and uh, kind of I never even wrote about gaming, but the first gaming kind of article I I wrote for my blog was very kind of it resonated with a lot of people in the like I, I was with the Muscular Disability UK charity so through that blog it helped so many other people to kind of think oh I have the same issues uh, what what can I do so that then that snowboard and then kind of I carried on writing articles for, for gaming and then kind of the Eurogamer editor Christian he kind of out of the blue message me on Twitter saying, oh, I've read all your articles and we really think you would be a great fit for Eurogamers so do you want to write articles for me? And like that was the, that's when I fully kind of, uh, I am not an imposter. I, th th this is the right place for me. 
that's lovely. And through that, it just snowballed into other things. Like I've yeah. kind of worked with Microsoft testing out the Xbox adaptive yeah. controller and stuff for PlayStation as well and game developers. So it just snowballed, really. Yeah, so I... But the other thing is I met so many great people in accessibility and they, they all kind of help you to want to do better and um, uh, just evolve, really. It's, it's a lovely kind of community to belong to. So I briefly hung around this community earlier this year. Um, at the Games Accessibility Conference, or GA Conf for short. And I was in the Discord while you gave your talk and you dropped this incredible line, a uh, Spider-Man themed line, while praising Miles Morales. And the line was, with great accessibility comes great inclusivity. And the place just erupted. It was like a it was like a mic drop moment. It was like a star turn. And you seem like a kind of star among the community. You seem like a fairly high, high profile member of that community now. Well, like let me talk about the co it's kind of I, I like to uh, make quotes up that kind of uh, revolve around kind of make sense in the game as well as the overall yeah, I, I just love like being clever in that way. But uh, yeah, like I, I, I do think this community has really helped me to grow out of my shell because when I was younger, I, I didn't really communicate that that much to people. But in this community, I, I, I just feel safe. So when I feel safe, I'm able to think I, I really want to help. Uh, kind of just continue because it's a very supportive community and I, I don't think I'm as big as a lot of my other friends that I, I have online on the community but I like to try um, to kind of use my experience really to, to help other gamers because that is ultimately what I want to do because I've got a lot of friends that have this condition and that they just stop gaming at all. They don't mm -hmm. game because it's not accessible for them and things like that. So, so that's really upsetting when I know. So I need to use this platform to educate developers about my condition. Because like, there's been a lot of work done with blind gamers and, and deaf gamers and hard of hearing kind of gamers at, at the minute but I think my type of weakness like mobility issue uh, that kind of hasn't really been, been tackled as much as it could be and I, and I see slow changes happening because like in Far Cry 6 I've always liked sprinting you have to press L3 but I've always said, if you could just sprint by pushing the left stick fully forward, that, that would actually help disable gamers and get rid of a stick click. And uh, that's exactly what Ubisoft did. So um, I, I've said a lot of things like that, and it's good to actually see that that information has been listened to by developers. Because that's what it seems to me that a lot of this is. I was watching a Naughty Dog GA conference talk about The Last of Us 2. And what struck me while watching that was how much they actually took from the accessibility community by watching the GA conference and embedding themselves with that community and even inviting people from there to come and advise on the game. And to me, it seems like good accessibility starts there. Yeah, that, that is it. If you put accessibility in the start when you design it with accessibility, everything is easier. You can't just add it on at the end. 
it never works if you embed it in your design um, practices and involve disabled gamers in the accessibility consultants earlier then you can pick their brain and add a lot of options in because i think part of gaming now there has to be accessibility in a game i i don't think kind of i think it should be a standard that accessibility settings are necessary like i'm not saying every game should have like loads of accessibility settings because i think that, that that's thinking too too much i like you can't always have a game with perfect accessibility mm. accessibility needs to evolve so if your game design's evolving by including disabled gamers then the whole industry changes because accessibility is a part of the design it's not like we've designed the game now what do we add on mm. so what does what does good accessibility look like to you how do you know when you when you play a game if it's got good accessibility well the first thing i do is look at the settings like when i do a game i have like options straight away what's in it do they have an accessibility menu or, or even sometimes you don't need accessibility menu if you the accessibility is just good usability really mm. because people do get a bit like the word accessibility is a bit uh, misunderstood okay. sometimes yeah so like people think oh it just means like an easy mode or or, or, or something like that but it, it's not it's just making the gameplay um friendlier to a lot of people but i think um then I play the game and see, like, how does it affect. I think sometimes I know a game has great accessibility when I look at a feature and I think, oh my god, that's perfect, but I never thought, like, I never even realized that would be a helpful option. Uh, like in The Last of Us, you had, like, a stone down when aiming, and I thought, oh my god, that is perfect for me but i didn't even think about that mistake and it shows that like disabled gamers have been part of the design if there's features that kind of surprise me so something else i picked up on while i was watching the ga comp earlier this year was a feeling or a sense of change a feeling that perhaps we are at a tipping point for accessibility in games where more and more teams are putting in the time and effort to do this right. Obviously, there's The Last of Us Part 2, um, which, as you say, had a strong focus on players without sight and, and can be platinumed by players without yes. sight. In fact, you wrote a piece um, for us with that as part of the, the headline. And in that piece, uh, there's a line from you describing 2020, the year 2020, as undoubtedly the greatest year for the gaming accessibility community since the release of the Xbox adaptive controller in 2018. Um, yeah, well, I think it was because five years ago, accessibility wasn't even talked about or it wasn't even recognized as necessary. But in the past five years, it's just, exploded and i would say 2020 was kind of the year that it exploded because since then like a lot of like even like euro gamers started kind of uh, writing about accessibility and like a lot of other publications are so that's a big that's a big change as well mm. because it, it shows that accessibility is something like in the mainstream and even if you don't have a disability, it's quite interesting to kind of learn about accessibility. You just get used to the having accessibility there. It's just like part of a game. So, And then the developers have worked with a lot of 
like most of my friends have like they worked on like the last of us 2 and stuff and that was that was like the biggest year really because i kind of came into accessibility at the right time <laughs> so how is 2021 doing by comparison well i think it's it's a funny year because of the pandemic because they're kind of hasn't been that many games that have come out they've all been mm. kind of delayed and stuff but a lot of the games i've played like miles morales guardians and the, there, there has been kind of games with with good accessibility so i wouldn't say it's a bad year but it's just a bit of a slow year but the, the thing is next year is going to be a big big year with like games coming out practically every day so <laughs> so what what's your, what's your advice do, do you consult you mentioned that maybe you've done some kind of consulting or you've got some 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 big things on the go are you consulting on on game projects um i'm, I'm doing a few things at the point, but those pesky ndas i can't <laughs> say but they are pesky yeah What's your general advice um, if someone says to you, perhaps it's an indie developer who doesn't perhaps have the the resources um, of a big company. If someone says to you, well, I, I want to have good accessibility in my game, what do you? what's your advice? The thing is, uh, for them, you need to look at the type of game you have and, and think about kind of small changes. Like indie developers, I think, a lot of their games have great accessibility and it's not just because they have loads of options sometimes there's one option like in celeste they had invincibility that that changes the game a lot mm. so accessibility doesn't mean thousands of options or so many changes sometimes it's just one very clever addition so i i think um so I, I like consulting with small developers is a lot easier because there's usually just a few people making the game and stuff. So accessibility is a bit kind of easier to, to, to create sometimes rather than like with a, with a bigger, bigger company sometimes. So I wouldn't say indie games are bad at all. I think just the whole industry is doing well but i do enjoy just um, what i do is just share my gaming experience with uh, developers and, and that helps kind of a lot and then you just talk to them a lot more and test the games are it, it is just it, it is a great experience to be able to know that you're helping a game to be as inclusive as possible so looking ahead to all the games that have kind of been well or maybe actually just just to this christmas what games are you looking forward to that are coming up what's going to be your well, christmas game i think uh, it's definitely going to be halo infinite okay yeah it's just that is just a special franchise for me. Uh, it's just recently I got Xbox Game Pass, so I pre I played played all the Halo games from one to four. Wow. Um, back to well, one to five. I mean, uh, back to back. So and I'm prepared for this one. Uh, and I, I've read like I, with, with games, I usually if they have books, I usually read them. So I, I've kind of read. Most of the Halo books and stuff, so kind of my brain's probably a Halo encyclopedia. <laughs> so, a final thought on accessibility before I ask you some questions that I've been asking everyone. I'm waving a pen around here for some reason. So, what are the big challenges left in accessibility? What are the 
main things i guess you want to see going ahead maybe next year maybe the year after what are the big challenges still ahead and what do you really want to see well the one big uh challenge for me at the the mini is actual console hardware accessibility because the accessibility setup i use i need to use a dualshock 4 and i kind of use this adapter title 2 which i talked about earlier but like initially it was able to work on ps5 but like one of the workarounds has been kind of blocked so at the minute i can't play on my playstation 5 until there was a solution done by kind of the people that make titan 2 so i think a big biggest challenge is to be able to keep your setups working with, with, with what because all the work playstation developers have done if the hardware isn't accessible then there's kind of no point doing accessibility in the game if console is, is, isn't accessible so kind of there's that issue so i really at the minute i really want to change that that's what i'm kind of working on and, and then moreover i'm looking forward to the, the games and seeing what settings are going to come up uh, the, the next year so it's exciting but i think disable game as in reviews are going to be very busy next year <laughs> um in a good way i hope yes yeah definitely so the questions that i've been asking everyone it's just three questions and you can interpret them kind of as you like and i think we may already know the answer to a couple of them um the first question is first game what was your first game first game it was super Mario world okay yeah because my cousin like he had a snes he brought it down and then like uh, i played on that and kind of i loved the game then i was pestering my mom <laughs> can i can i get a game boy so then i played it on that and that was the the, the first game uh, that i kind of played really and then halo was the first game where kind of i really thought i need to be a game because i used to think oh mary i'm just doing it for fun mm. yeah okay next question last game what was the last game you played oh the last game was guardians of the galaxy have you finished it now yeah i did oh it's so emotional no, I did. I cried a few times. That that's not like that's not like me at all. But yeah, it was a great game. And the last question, and I feel like we already may know the answer to this: best game. Oh, best game. That's a tough one. Really, it's very tough. <laughs> I think I would still go for. Batman Arkham City, but I think that's always going to be my greatest game. Even if there's other games that are maybe better, I, I've just... The feeling I got with that game is that's the feeling kind of I'm always looking for in games. Is there another game that does it? But I think um, if I had to pick like current games, it would be Guardians of the Galaxy. Wow. Very, what is that feeling with Arkham City? Is it that, that feeling of childhood that you talked about? I think it is a feeling of childhood because like I started reading Batman at that time and then when I saw, oh my God, there's a game and when I started, like I played the demo like a lot and I thought this game, I, I need this game when it comes out. So and when i first played it, I, I was just floored like what am i experiencing this is incredible you just felt like but just everything was perfect and i spent oh so many hours collecting everything 
Just to, like a hundred percent in the game, and just to be. You know, when I was younger, I never do that. I just play, and but I thought, no, I need to do everything. It's interesting. I wonder if, I wonder if it's possible for another game to have the same feeling. Because I feel sometimes like there's only one game that can, or perhaps yeah. a couple of games that can have that effect on us. I think when you're younger and you get so excited and attached to a game, I think that game is always going to be with you. Hmm. Even if there's other games better, you still think, no, you, you're still there. I'm never going to forget you. But I think the game that, that got very, I think that got closer to me um, than Batman is, is Mass Effect, the whole trilogy. Don't, that, those games were like just um, incredible. But like I like Batman more because I love comics and it felt like, oh, I'm actually Batman. Yeah. If you could have uh, one comic turned into a game that isn't already a game, do you know which one it would be? Yeah, I, I would say I'd love to see Daredevil. Ah. Because, that he, especially because I know someone like Insomniac to meet Daredevil because it can tie into Spider-Man a lot and Wolverine. The whole universe, so I, I, and also because, like Daredevil's blind, like it, it would be incredible to have a character with a disability in a game where you can like beat people up. It would be. I, I was. Uh, I enjoyed the Netflix series. Yeah. Uh, at least for a season and a half, anyway. Uh, oh, really. <laughs> I think I went off it a little bit in the second series. It just slow. Yeah, too many things going on. I think. Yeah, I, I do agree. I think, but I think they pick the right actors. Yes, yes. And I really, I really would love them to be somehow into the MCU. So. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for yes. the future. Vivek. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure meeting you. And it's always a pleasure reading your work um, on Eurogamer and seeing the effect that uh, you and the accessibility community are having on games. Um, changes that benefit everyone, you know, not just the accessibility community or however people want to kind of understand that. So thank you for that. And thank you for this. No, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And I would say so glad to have this platform to talk about accessibility. It just feels special talking about accessibility to do like Eurogaming or other kind of uh, publications because accessibility is worthy of, of talking about. Absolutely. Well, Vivek, thank you. And to everyone else, we'll have a new podcast in a fortnight. Thank you for listening. Goodbye for now. Bye, everybody.